Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for another edition of The Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me! Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, it felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. Today on the Brett Allen Show, well, I want to start out by saying it's a very interesting time that we're in. We haven't done any interviews for a while because of the current strikes and everything. So today's conversation, we have guest uh, comedian Paul Morrissey on the show. I'm very excited. I'm a little bit rusty. I apologize. It's been a little bit over a month and a half since I've talked to anybody. So if I ramble on, I apologize. But Paul, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, so nice to meet you too. Wait, so you just been locking yourself in a room? I don't think well, you have to go that far. You can <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, it's just it's been a bit of a, a positive experience because I've been able to just think about where I'm at with the show and and really just dial it in even better. And so when the opportunity came to speak to you, I I'm a huge fan and oh, thanks. Uh, absolutely. Well, I love comedy in general, but your backstory is a little bit different, I think, than most. Well, everybody, maybe not completely different, but you started out as a newscaster. You were in television for a long time and then made your way into comedy. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like a misfit in a, uh, a world of misfits, I guess. every Everything that I've ever tried to do in my life has been basically a million to one shot and the... I think comedy actually had the best odds. So, so I, I'm a five foot nine, uh, you know, kind of slow guy uh, from upstate New York in the middle of nowhere, and I became a college basketball player somehow, and then I became a TV sports anchor for ABC. Which, you know, if you look at, you know, <clears throat> basically there's like 200 markets in the whole country. And they have, what, three stations? So you got, you know, three or four sports guys. So if you look at that job, that's maybe 800 in the whole country. You know, everyone's going to school for communications, but how many people actually end up on the air? And so that was a huge long shot, too. And I actually, uh, Rich Eisen was the weekend anchor at KRCR, where my first job was. And uh, so basically I had his job. And so uh, I was doing TV uh, news and sports. You know, my 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 love was basketball. I grew up, my dad was a gym teacher, so I just grew up playing basketball. I wasn't very good until maybe like ninth grade, and it started to be like, oh, he spends a lot of time. He's a good shooter. And then I found a way that it could get me to a good college and get me an education and um, – and, uh, but early on, I was a writer. Like when I was in third grade, I still have teachers come to my shows and they're like, you used to write plays. Like your handwriting was so bad, we had to actually type them up. <laughs> okay. But they were just like these plays of like, you know, going through labyrinths and dragons. I'm sure that it was just based on like choose your own adventure. But I was a very like imaginative kid and I did drawings that I 
couldn't do today that I did in third grade. So I, I was very artistic early on before sports came into play. And so my last year of college, I did a uh, independent study where I just wrote short stories and that's where the writing kind of came back. And, you know, growing up, I always loved Saturday Night Live and I thought everybody like everybody loves comedy. And finally, my friends like n not everybody loves it as much as you like you love Saturday Night Live like you love you know, me and my buddy Willis, uh, we actually skipped school. We got permission to go to see a taping of the David Letterman show. Like oh, when wow. he first moved to uh, when he first moved to the Ed Sullivan Theater. And so that was when you had to get a postcard. So my neighbor got the postcard and they were working, you know, had regular jobs. So they're like, hey, do you guys want to go? And I asked my parents and they're like, sure. You know, and that was, you know, we live up close to, to like Ithaca, Binghamton area. So. We drove all the way to New York City like two big hicks and uh <laughs> and went to the taping and it was it was more amazing than I ever thought it was gonna be. It was so much fun. Dave did the whole show for the people in the theater, even the commercial breaks and the music was great, obviously, with Paul and those guys. And I was after being there, I just had seen nothing like that and a live wow. show, not even like a music show. So this just blew my mind and I'm just like I just want to be like an usher here. I, I just want to be a part of it somehow. And so, you know, that was the early seeds of, I think, the, the you know, the comedy thing. And then when you look at it from, you know, I've had friends but like, well, you were an English major, so you were writing, and then you were a sports guy, so you're on TV, and then you're, you're uh, it, my major is liter literature and rhetoric, so that's speaking. So that's like the perfect thing to become a comedian. And I was like, well, I had no idea that all these things would lead to the next thing. So um, I just got very lucky that, you know, you had to write your own stuff. You had to, you know, learn how to use a camera. You had to edit stuff down. And that's all stuff that you need to learn when you're first starting comedy or even comedy writing is just keeping things brief. And uh, there was a woman who was in the area and she's like, you're really funny on the news. You should do stand up. And so she ran the Monday night thing and her name's Karen Anderson. She ended up being one of the head writers on the Ellen DeGeneres show, along with uh, Karen Kilgariff and a bunch of great, uh, great comedy minds. And so I just got lucky that I met her. So uh, quit the TV job, eventually moved to New York and just kind of started from scratch. But yeah, that's kind of how it, how it began which is i think very unconventional probably after all the people you've talked to you know <laughs> not necessarily I, I i mean obviously everybody's situation and how they start is different but i think like the fact that you were doing the things that you were doing were preparing you for that opportunity i mean i'm a huge believer in you know opportunity and preparation work cohesively right like it's just not dumb luck that you like stumbled into the career. You were already doing certain things. So when you got to that place where you were given a chance, it worked out for you, obviously because of your hard work. And that's the way I look at it. I mean, again, everybody I've talked to, it's so special and different in, in every situation, but you're funny and you, you have that oh, panache. Well, it's very true. <laughs> uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you just, what you do, I, I'm a comedy nerd, I think. Uh, Wayne Fetterman called me that. It was just kind of an interesting <laughs> thing. He's like, you're a comedy nerd. 
And that's okay because you like to watch it happen, but you also want to know how it works, like how the sausage is made. Because I think what you do is so different than what the average person does in entertainment. I mean, actors could, you could make an argument and say, well, it's similar in some ways because you're perfecting your craft, but comedy to be able to get up in front of a group of people and tell jokes and have it either go one way or the other, or just hit the sweet spot. It's yeah. a big risk. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's, um, you know, and then I found that, you know, just starting in, I mean, first of all, I can tell you that I would have never done stand up if I hadn't been on TV somehow. Cause right. I, what got me in front of the camera was I loved talking about sports so I can do that, but I'm not comfortable speaking. Like it was a very like hard one or two years of just like, I got to say this word better. I got to look like I'm not frozen in headlight. You know, it was, I mean, you're doing live TV. It's the best improv uh, class in the world, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and then, and then when you're, I mean, that was, I will say this, one of the great things um, about doing TV, I'm in a studio with three guys or, you know, and a couple, uh, you know, female news anchors out with me and the weather person. And so I'm trying to make them laugh and I'm in front of all these lights and all these cameras. And so when I got to my first late night TV appearance, which was Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, Everyone, you know, all the comedians get really nervous because it's like cameras and lights and they the crowd is fine, but they're not used to all this other stuff and having right. the cameras there. But I had I always had the cameras and the desk and that part was great. And now I got an audience. So this is even better than it used to be. So I felt right at home the first time I did uh late late show that just felt like doing the studio and having a great audience and i i as soon as i finished that i just wanted to do it again it was so great so um yeah you yeah. had that like extra cushion of the tv part of it because i've heard other comedians say in other interviews anywhere on the spectrum of a comic where it's like you know you get that first opportunity to to be on a television show a late night spot and it's so different because it's maybe just your type five, but now you've got 300 people and you got all these bright lights and all these cameras and it's just like overwhelming. And I've heard other comics say, you know, their first late night, like the name comes to mind, like a Mark Norman or somebody who gets that first chance or a Pete Lee. And you feel like you've blown it because you weren't expecting all that other stuff to add to the nerves that already exist doing what you do. Yeah. I mean, I am somebody who truly loved doing the late night spots and that's why I got into it, you know, and I was lucky enough to work with Jim Gaffigan at that time when I was first starting my, you know, getting my, you know, Louis CK, uh, w dropped out. That's how I got my first, uh, Oh, late wow. night spot because uh, he <laughs> was filming he was filming lucky louie so uh so i got to do late late show and then i did it three more times and i even did it once the day of where they called me like at noon and they're like do you have a set ready and i said yeah and he said well jenny mccarthy fell down the stairs so we need we need to fill you know a segment so can you be here by 2 30 and i'm like all right so 
Uh, so that's one of those things too. Like always be ready, always have something good. And, uh, you know, to speak to Norm, Mark, uh, I think was doing his first Conan when I was doing my first Letterman. So we were going through the New York clubs every night running our sets. And so that's how he became friendly. And, uh, and yeah, so happy for him now that he's doing really well. And, uh, obviously super funny. And, um, those are memories that you have. And also that was the other, the other part of it was, so I, I worked, you know, I was in New York for a week getting ready for the show and then I get bumped, you know, I'm, I'm actually on the side of the stage and Regis Philbin is talking and, the producers come over and they look like somebody just died. And I was like, everything okay. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're not gonna have time for you. And I was like, Oh, I thought it was something way worse. I go, so what do we do? You know, the only thing I was worried about was like my mom yelling, where's my son or something like that from the audience. But, (laughs) but they, but Dave apologized to me on the air and held up my album. And, um, it was almost like more of a promotion and build up towards the next appearance. And so I got more phone calls about that and more stories about that. You know, I ended up, uh, meeting, uh, drew carey i did i did a johnny carson festival drew carey and uh i just happened to see him at uh in front of the comedy store when i got back to la after getting bumped and he's like hey hey how did uh letterman go he knew i was doing it and and he i said oh i got bumped by regis philbin and then he literally like cornered me and told me the greatest like 10 minute story ever about how he got bumped by Regis Philbin on the Johnny Carson tonight show. <laughs> so, so that was like, so we got to like share that moment. And then also like, okay, everybody goes through this. Not that I was feeling bad about it, but there was a thing, uh, a point in time where like I hadn't hadn't, didn't have another date. And so am I really going to do this? you know and so that goes through your mind too but once once i got the other date then it was kind of like okay don't do this set to death take a week off and then kind of refresh yourself and then and then do it and by that time i had done the five or you know at least four late late shows and so i was getting pretty good at that and just wanting to um have some time and get to New York a couple of days early and it, there is a whole process to it. And so when you, once you learn how to do those great five minute sets, then you build towards the ha- It used to be the half hour and then the hour. And so it seems now everyone just wants to do the most amount of time they can and podcasts are three hours long. And so there's a, a learning curve of like, okay, you're going to do a bunch of bad shows, but hopefully, that makes it better at the end. So I don't know. I don't know what the better system is, at least for me. I really, I really think it's detrimental to like, just go up there and have a terrible half hour and then hope you get five minutes out of it. I would rather, I would rather go up and do five minutes and have like two new jokes work and work it that way. than like, just, just throw everything at the wall and, um, and you know get you know hit hit uh less than 200 the mendoza line you know like uh i think comedy's got to be a really high percentage you got to be f- uh steph curry free throw shooting to put in uh, some sports analogies but uh yeah but yeah it's interesting now cuz i did hear dana carvey talk about somewhere he did his hour special for netflix 
and they're talking about everybody has the hour and then they're like but you should uh you know instead of using a big closer do your really good stuff in the first five minutes and he's like oh so it's still just a five minute set then basically <laughs> that's gonna win people over <laughs> i love it that that is so funny well you've done a lot of different things you've had specials what are you working on now paul what, what what's in the in the kitchen for you comedy wise are you working on a special um are you just doing crowd work i mean what 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 what's keeping you busy these days oh yeah it's an interesting time so um the exciting news is i film my uh you know i've i've only done a couple albums like i said my you know i was lucky enough to chat with jerry seinfeld once and uh he always told me the finished product of his of his jokes were the tonight shows he never saw specials as like the final so he if you go to his website he just has all his tonight shows and then yeah. Just in the last couple of years, he did those he did those specials. And then uh, and then, you know, so my thing was always like, oh, I've got these specials. I don't have to do albums or not specials, but late night spots. I I don't have to do albums. But then obviously that's a big revenue stream, getting Sirius XM and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, really wanted to get uh, something refreshed. Actually, the last album I did was when I did Letterman. So um we just uh we tried to record a couple times during the pandemic and it wasn't quite right and then uh my record company bomb medicine my buddy dominic you know we were just like let's just do it right we'll do the the national comedy center is in jamestown which is upstate new york you know a few hours from where i grew up but you know birthplace of lucille ball i'd done that festival a bunch of times and met peter fairley and nick offerman and got to work with a bunch of great people and they were super supportive of me so we're like we'll do four shows in the tropicana room from the i love lucy set you know and then uh and then we can uh you know we'll just take the best of those four shows and believe it or not we did one show uh hour and 10 minutes or something and basically that's the album i you know after the first show he was like we got it and i was like no 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 no. i'm just working my way and we got a bunch more shows and then when you listen to it, it was like oh the energy you know you can't recreate it you know there's a lot of guys that do specials and you know they do one taping or four tapings and it's always one show that yeah. you know is better so um hey i'm just gonna pause this uh i think it's my mail that's going off here i don't want it Another yeah, Tom Segura did like, that. He did like four or five shows and they told him the first one was the best. And he's like, but I want to do these other shows if you watch his documentary. And then they oh, used okay. like two minutes from like the fifth show. And then the and that was because somebody heckled him. <laughs> and yeah, then, yeah. But it it's great. So it, every comic, that's great, by the way. And we'll put links in the show notes for both the video and the audio version. Well, yeah, it's it's just the audios out now. Ice cream versus everything, which uh, it got to number three on the iTunes charts. We actually put it out on my birthday, and so we're super proud of it. We we did film it, but here's the thing: so I've done like a lot of work. My so January, I knew I was gonna film this thing in March, so I lost ten pounds. Um, You know, I kind of had my uh, Sylvester Stallone Copland. Uh, physique <laughs> since great, my uh, that's a great pop culture reference. <laughs> since <athlete>. my uh, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, you gotta see that's it. Sylvester Stallone. Funny. I like that. 
but you know, I was a college basketball player, so I was in shape for, you know, most of my life. And then when I became a comedian, it was kind of like, I can just look all right and still get away with it. And then I got to the point where it's like, you're getting chubby cheeks, you're, you know, and then, and then when you're going to put yourself on TV, especially HD and the way they do it now, I'm like, all right, I got to get to work on myself. You know, you just, you don't want to, you know, I'm not going to be Brad Pitt, but I don't want to be distracting, you know? So, uh, <laughs> and, and Segura, I think has uh, talked about that as well. It's funny. Me and Tom were the finalists in the Maxim's real men of comedy competition. At one point it was a real thing. And the finalists were me, Adam Devine from Workaholics and uh, Tom, which were all, you know, we're buddies. And, uh, and so the winner got to open for Joe Rogan. And I think that's how Tom ended up meeting Joe. So, okay. uh, so that's, uh, so he has me to thank for that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Adam and his podcasting crew are going to be here in Denver this weekend. So we're hoping oh, to awesome. work on getting, yeah, he was the, the doorman at the improv when I was, doing yeah. stuff and he was doing he was even i remember even telling me like we're just filming this stuff at my house like my our one buddy's a you know a, a, a director and then we're just filming like us doing stuff at the house i'm like all right man sounds funny you know yeah th those guys <laughs> so are the you best. never know <laughs> I, yeah you really don't and i like their example we've had his other co-hosts on for various projects and i think those guys and you are really just true testaments of if you just do it. And I think even somebody was saying um, recently in an interview that like with where we're at today, which is what I want to wrap with, because again, I know we have time limits here. You have other places to be, but if we can just kind of get a snapshot from you, like the way you got started is the way you got started and you've experienced a lot of success the way that you did it. But now with uh, Jason Alexander said this with YouTube and TikTok and not to begrudge on the strike and all this other stuff, but there are ways now to create content, whether it's a comic like yourself. Crowd work is a big thing now on TikTok, crowd work clips, and there's different opinions on that. But for you, like looking at the way you got started versus how it is now, is there a case to be made? for comics and anybody creatively to, to there's no reason to not put content out, right? Like there's so many resources. Is that a fair assumption? Well, yeah. I mean here, well, to finish that one thought, so I, so I lost 10 pounds before the special and then I lost a, another 25 cents then. So I actually can't stand the video, but I love the audio. That's why the audio came out first. Uh, okay. So, um, but I'm at the point where, so I did the special. I actually just did this Canadian tour where I did 20 shows in like 16 days. And it was just old fashioned, like doing clubs, working stuff out, you know, talking people, talking to people, having fun, you know, not being too hard on yourself. Cause there is a certain thing of like people that are every night, they got to find this new thing and right. there's a lot of pressure. And so you can't live in that in that zone all the time. And that's why my thing has always been 
to mix it up. You know, you can't go to the same club every night and, you know, try to impress the same people. I've always loved to travel. I love to work with different people. I'd love to put myself in different situations, you know, like started traveling internationally and 2013 so i did the magners festival in asia montreux festival in switzerland and that's like an amazing thing to get to travel and see what makes people laugh there is it the same stuff and uh you know just working you know early early days with gaffing and now with tom papa working with guys that really you know the old-fashioned like get drunk you know, during the show and hang out until two in the morning and then go to breakfast at noon. Like that was never my thing. I love writing jokes. You know, Norm was one of my guys. I used to do a podcast with Artie, Frank Sebastiano, who wrote Dirty Work as a buddy of mine. So I kind of love the whole Norm universe. And, um, you know, I'd love to do, you know, uh, I love jokes. I love to do projects involving the jokes i'd even love to do like a sketch album at some point you know like the old adam sandler stuff uh and uh obviously movies and those are like year and two year commitments which you know can just fall apart and i know just from working on a couple like uh sitcoms uh like pilots that it's just devastating to work on something for a couple months and then no one ever sees it and what did yeah. we just do for two months so that's why we are so glad to have stand up and have this thing that we can always do so yeah um so that's my <clears throat> my thing but also to your point i'm not a guy that loves doing stuff every day like that's why i did i do like doing podcasts like you would do where you get somebody interesting that you want to talk to and do it you know once a week or something like that but these guys do it every day I just need I I love I love being in front of people to do the shows and then I love having time to come up with stuff and live life and and have things kind of ruminate a little bit and then and then when I have something to say I want to be able to do it but just the you know you know in New York City you do that when you have three or four spots a night and you're just you know cranking out jokes and it and to some point it's like oh you're just forcing this you know you need to you need to see how naturally you can come up with stuff and so there is a fine line between writing great jokes during the day and then coming up with stuff on the spot you know you want to leave enough room for that and those live shows that's why I don't have a lot against crowd work if people are just doing it for content and just doing it to to kind of like tick people off in the crowd and and confront things and that's obviously a bit of a stunt and and something that's gonna come and go but um but i do you know i have crowd work moments that are great and they usually come out of an organic thing or a joke that i did or something so i have nothing against that and i should probably get better at putting more stuff out but my thing has always been you know every couple months you know show up and have like a new five minutes or ten minutes and and uh you know hopefully uh you know people enjoy what you do and oh that's that's cool did you see paul's new joke or did you see you know whatever i I like that so i love it well again as i said at the beginning of our conversation i'm a huge fan the new special oh, thank you pal appreciate absolutely it. ice cream versus everything available on itunes and other places too they can listen yeah, yeah, Spotify. I think it's uh, blondemedicine.com is the record company, so it's just, 
you can click on that. My website's paulhaswebsite.com, which is also easy to remember. That's what I'm I'm on uh, Instagram as Paul as a website, so you don't have to spell anything. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just on tour, like I said, we did the I did well, I did the month long uh, Canada tour. That was Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Now I'm back in LA. Um, I'm doing some some theater tour uh, stops with Tom Papa. We're doing Indianapolis and um, I think Chicago in the next couple weeks. And then um, I'm doing some other clubs myself. And yeah, just mixing it up, having fun, getting to see, see the world a little bit, get some in- inspiration and uh, make people laugh. You know, that's the whole thing. I love thing. it. <laughs> yeah, Tom Papa is the best. Uh, he's been a dream guest of ours for a long time, but he's very busy. But that's yeah. so cool. You get to tour with him. Any that's plans awesome. to come to the Denver area anytime soon, or have you already? Made? Oh, absolutely. We were just in a, not just, but uh, I say it's like a blur. But we did the Paramount okay. in um, I want to say earlier this year. Okay, I could be lying. I think it was March. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So usually a couple of times, you know, the comedy works. We're always friendly with. So uh, I do the South Club usually. But uh, yeah, usually uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, there's a, a theater in Longmont as well up there. There's one in Fort Collins, the comedy fort. Yeah, that's a good spot, too. I haven't done that one yet. I've heard about that. But yeah, I, I love Colorado. There's a place called the uh, oh, my man. I'm I'm blanking on it right now. Uh you you'll love this because I wasn't sure you were in Colorado. There's a place if you go east. I did this. Uh, it was a small theater, um, and uh, I googled it, and all the first thing that comes up is there's an alien uh, <laughs> okay. that's like walking back and forth in front of a security camera, like on a warehouse. And the second thing comes up is the mass tarantula migration that they have okay. to actually. Uh, close the highway because oh, wow. uh, because there's so many tarantulas. So uh, if somebody wants to Google that that name for your next show, and you can you can tell people where they can go to find tarantulas if they're into that thing. But yeah, Colorado's it. a great place. Um, yeah, enjoy. Wonderful. Well, awesome. Well, Paul Morrissey, thanks everybody for listening and being a part of today's conversation. And you weren't rusty at all, man. You were you were on top of your game. I, I feel you, like man. you want to do another show now. You're ready. Yeah, I've got a few more lined up. Well, Paul, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate you hanging out. No, thank you, Brett. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care.